What's going on, everybody? Year two, episode four of Pat's Interference. I'm Patrick Norwood. He's Patrick Brinkman. The week is upon us. Alabama USC kickoff Saturday night at eight o'clock. Nick Saban announces the quarterback situation today. We'll get into that. We're breaking down the roster before Saturday. Plus, we're locking in our playoff predictions. That and so, so much more. This is an episode you do not want to miss. This is Pat's Interference. Well, hello, everybody. Week one is upon us, and boy, what a week one it's going to be. You're listening to Pat's Interference Podcast, and it is going to be a great episode. I am Patrick Brickman, sitting a full 611 miles away from Patrick Norwood. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. I am Patrick Norwood, as you said. I'm enjoying my new apartment, enjoying my new life, trying to trying to get boxes unpacked, trying to get a new couch. Growing up, man. We're growing now, up. Normally... Right? Normally we're a lot closer. In fact, we are. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I said six hundred and eleven miles. Because normally when we do this podcast, we're only sitting a measly three hundred forty-five miles away. But that all changed. We've doubled the mileage away and become closer. Sure. How's that even yeah, possible? Yeah, I, I like that. How's your week? See, been? that was cute. We, we've, we, that was cute. We've talked about me. How's your week been? Oh, my week's been fine. It's, uh, you, we didn't have a podcast last week because you were moving and moving in, and yeah. it was kind of a lull anyway with the end of fall practice and no scrimmages left, so it's a good time for you to move, I have to say. Yeah, well, we're making up for it this week, Brick. Got a lot to talk about. Uh, as we've talked about before, this is the final single podcast per week episode for the rest of the fall. Um, so what that means is on Sunday or Monday, we're going to do an Alabama podcast podcast excuse me and then later in the week say around wednesday thursday friday we'll do a rest of the nation podcast hopefully that cuts the time down on these a little bit but we're still giving you as much content as we would like to um yeah you know we'll do our normal recap of the games and then the second one is just more for people that you know there are people that would love to listen to us but don't really care honestly about alabama very much at all sure um and so we can kind of do a more national sort of you know what's the rest of the country doing we'll still talk about alabama here and there but anyway yes two podcasts per week starting next week after the game patrick the Um, the season is upon us my friend yeah it's here this is this is that monday where coaches go crazy and start giving us all their depth charts some people might say that coach saban went a little bit uh record scratch on us today you and i have been talking about for weeks how jalen hurts was looking like the guy now coach saban says that cooper bateman and blake barnett are the only two quarterbacks who will play. Patrick, what is your opinion about this, and why is Hurts left out? Honestly, I'm just I'm just kind of laughing at myself today. This is the second year in a row. Uh, the wool's been pulled over my eyes where I buy into the true freshman hype. Uh, last year, you know, I was going, Let's, well, why don't we just go ahead and start Blake Barnett? And then my initial reaction today when I first read it was like I was – I was like kind of mad that, that Blake Barnett might still start when I was banging the table for him last year and early on in the spring. Uh, I guess I'm not. I'm actually not surprised. I don't know why I was surprised this morning. As I've come down, sat and looked at it, read about it, it's it's not that surprising. And and it's really it lies within what Nick Saban has um, said, what he said to the media today about it. What he said, you know, that we're down to two guys. Cooper Bateman, Blake Barnett, those are the guys that will possibly be playing in this game. Um, he went on to talk about each one. He said, uh, you know, Bateman has a, has a great knowledge of the offense. He manages things well. I'm reading these direct quotes um, because of his experience. Uh, he's continued to improve his passing ability. We have a lot of confidence in him. 
Then he went on to Barnett. Barnett, he said, I think in Blake's case, he's been here a little longer than he was last year. He has a little bit more knowledge of the offense. He's confident, uh, bigger, stronger. He throws the ball effectively, and he goes on to say that one of the strengths of the team is the receivers, um, and he wants explosive plays because of the receivers we have. He thinks Blake will be able to do that. And on Hurts. and on Jalen Hurts, yeah, he said he's got a tremendous future. Uh, he's got tremendous ability that they're not giving up on that ability, and hopefully they'll be able to develop him at some point this season. Patrick, yeah. let me ask you, do you think this is more of saving Hurts for the future more than it is? Because in my opinion, when I heard this, when you texted me today, it wasn't so much of, I think Cooper Bateman and Blake Barnett are so much, you know, miles and miles ahead of Jalen Hurts. In my eyes, this was, we're saving Jalen Hurts for next year. Well, I think whoever ends up starting the rest of this year will also be next year's starter. I don't think um, that's, unless we just kind of implode this year for un, for some unforeseen. I think it was just more of, we're starting game one, um against a tough opponent, probably the toughest opponent that I can remember Alabama coming up against uh, in week one. You know, we've played West Virginia, Virginia Tech, and uh, Wisconsin, but none of those guys, and Michigan, but admittedly none of those teams have been what USC should be this year. Right. I think it's just more of the point that, okay, so Jalen, we're not at these practices. We We don't see what it's like when they close the media. And when he went on, one of the things he talked about is being able to, like, pick up the blitz or move a player that's out of position or make a call on the line of scrimmage because Ryan Kelly won't be doing that this year. I think that he just, Hertz was not ready for that aspect of playing quarterback, which people kind of actually take for granted. Um, but the big thing was that he said that he hopes he can be a productive player this year. I don't think he's closed the door on Hertz. If, if the two other quarterbacks come out and flop, like some fans think they both will for whatever reason, I I'm not I mean he's still on the depth chart. He listed Hurts as a possible starter. I you know I I still don't I don't see Jalen Hurts starting this football game, or not starting. Excuse not me, start not starting. I don't think he'll start. Not this playing. Year. I don't think he'll play. I don't either. Um, I I think if it gets I mean if it's that bad, between uh, okay, Cooper Bateman plays that bad. You still give him three or four series. Blake Barnett plays that bad. You still give him five or six series. I'd say, and then you might just go back to Bateman. I, I don't think we're going to see Jalen Hurts very much, if at all, this season. We'll see him in garbage time, and I, I think that might be I bet the Hurts red, I bet Hurts red shirts. I think he'll red shirt. Uh, he did say he hopes he can be a productive player this season. Um, I think that was a little bit more for like maybe Jalen Hurts yeah. to hear, but I think he'll. I think that Nick Saban knows the the nuances of playing quarterback that like fans like us that have never really played at a high level just don't just don't understand on a very basic level. So I think that uh, Hertz wasn't ready for that, and he would start on a lot of teams in the country, and he's great, and I'm glad to have him on board. But I'm actually A-OK with moving on. Bateman, Barnett, the two guys that know the offense a little bit better. Uh, we'll find out Saturday. Um, yeah, with that said. Go ahead. With that said, and I know that we've been up and down on both quarterbacks between Bateman and Barnett, which one do you th- that's what which I was one about do you to foresee? You. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I I, I feel like uh, I I haven't seen enough of either guy. I mean, honestly, like I just still feel like there's just so many unanswered questions right now in my heart of hearts. I'm taking Blake Barnett because if you, if too. you watch Cooper Bateman, it's still the twinkle toes. 
It's still the dancing in the backfield, not knowing where to go with the ball. And it's frustrating to watch. And I don't think that's what a good game manager does. Now, it's it's the poise. You're right. Now, hold on. If he could, and if he has developed within the past, you know, six, eight months, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm completely fine with that. But from what I saw from the spring game and what I've heard since the spring game, I'm just not sure he's ready. So in my opinion, it's BB-8. I hope so too, and I, I think Barnett's got the even even more than Hurts. I think Barnett has the best arm of actually. I think David Cornwell might have the best arm of the bunch. But if you're talking about the three guys here, the best arm belongs to Barnett. Right. Um, he's actually quite athletic too. He's he's you know he doesn't he's not as shifty running as Hurts, but he can definitely pick up yards on the ground. Uh, he's more of a glider, I think. I don't haven't seen too much of it, but. Um, you know, I was banging the table definitely in the spring and early on in the fall podcasts about I want I think Barnett's the guy. I think that's the guy they want to start eventually, and he was a five star. And I think I got a little down on him from insiders or whatever that means that I read on the uh, scrimmages. But w- let's think of it this way: the last two years in a row, it looked like it looked like Blake Sims couldn't even throw a football, and right. we both thought last year that Jay Coker was a, a big dummy with an arm. Yeah, you know, with a with a strong right arm that could spin a football, but was a you know we thought he couldn't. We thought he was going to throw four interceptions a game, basically through like eight last year. Yeah, total, maybe like six, maybe it was. We don't know. That's the thing. I've learned today that there's no such thing as an insider when it comes to Alabama football. I've been listening to them, thinking I'm in the know because I have all this stuff. Nobody knows anything. No, except the coaching staff. No, and 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 I think that's. I I feel like, and I actually know firsthand that a lot of the stuff they show the media before they take the media out of practice is just to shut them up. It's just mm-hmm. giving them what they want to see. Yeah. So that's, that's something to that's keep in exactly mind. That's exactly right. But I, I think, I think at the end of the day, I think Hertz probably just does this all Hertz will die down. We won't even be thinking of him in about a month. And, um, I think he red shirts and then we'll have Tua coming in. If he sticks from, from Hawaii next year, we're, we're set at the quarterback position for a while. And both of these quarterbacks that he named today are very capable guys and I think actually we've all been very harsh on probably a little bit too harsh on Bateman at the same time as well we haven't seen him at his full potential I just I think Barnett's a little higher I'm rooting for him anyway on to the other position in the backfield Patrick no big surprise here Bo Scarborough Damian Harris your your starters we should say yeah, they'll be splitting carries at the one, you know, they'll I, be splitting 60-40, right. 50-50 probably. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and ask you who the starter is because I don't really, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters who the starter is. Just like in 2009, once Trent Richardson started going, it was kind of, you know, you put this guy in in this formation and put this guy in at this time for this play. I think yeah, we're going to see a lot of that. Kind of BJ Emmons, stuff. Jacobs, your number twos. I'm not, I'm not surprised again. Um, Patrick, out of those four guys, who do you think will get the majority of the stat line this year? I think it's going to be, um, barring injury, I think it's going to be Scarborough. I think, uh, you know, there's a reason he was he was high. All of these guys are very highly rated, except maybe Jacobs came on late. But all these, all three of these guys were, two. the top two were five-star, Scarborough and Harris. Emmons was a fringe four five-star. By the way, he switches number two from 6 to 21. He'll be wearing 21 this year as of now. Scarborough, um, we'll, we'll probably, I think it'll be a 60-40 split between him and Harris, kind of like Ingram 60, Richardson 40 right. split. Right, right. Uh, Receiver-wise, we're talking about the top, it was tough to kind of look at the way they listed them, because Ridley was 
posted as a starter in two separate spots. They did the same thing at corner on down the list. But Ridley, Stewart, and Robert Foster appeared to be the top three receivers if we ran a three-receiver set to start the game. And I think um, I think everybody needs to keep in mind, too, that a lot of people, when Robert Foster came in and when Calvin Ridley came in, those two guys, everybody was picking Robert Foster as the more talented wide receiver. And I think we might get to see that competition a little bit this year. My big concern is that these guys, Ardarius Stewart, uh, Cam Sims, those type of guys may be kind of left in the dust. I'm hoping that's not the case, but I'm hoping our offense can open up to these other receivers. But I would not be surprised at all if this became a receptions and yards contest between Calvin Ridley and Robert Foster, barring that both of them stay healthy. Well, don't and don't sleep on uh, um, Garrig Dieter. I, I think that's how you pronounce his name. It the is. the transfer. Cam Sims will get some snaps. We Cam got some Sims other had guys an excellent spring game. Yeah, he was he was fan. I think, um, and a lot of people actually kind of sometimes sleep on our Darius Stewart. He was awesome at the end of last year. He's fantastic. Luckily, we don't. I don't think any receiver on our roster right now is going to go by the wayside of a Chris Black, which is good because you know we all liked him, but he just kind of needed to move on. Right, like a D Hart um, sort of player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, offensive line. You were very interested in this when we were talking yesterday. I'll go from the left to the right, starting at left tackle. Um, uh, uh, Robinson, Cam Robinson. We got Lester Cotton at left guard. Bradley Bozeman was started as the or posted as the starter at center. Ross Piercebacher at that would be right guard, and then the f- true freshman Jonah Williams at right tackle. And the thing that's interesting there is a couple of these players switched spots late last week, late into fall practice, being uh, Bozeman and Piercebacher, moving them, switching them around. Why do you think that happened? You know, I I don't know. I talked to you about it last night. I asked you if. You thought it was a concern. I think it's kind of concerning that this is happening this late and in practices. And you brought up a good point that maybe it's just to kind of uh, give the guy a couple snaps, sort of see how things work this way. You weren't too concerned about it. I think now, especially that Bozeman's been announced the center, it's very interesting. And I kind of want to know what happened to the point where Piercebacher got moved sort of to the wayside. Well, I know Bozeman backed up. Ryan Kelly and and even started a small game when Kelly was injured at one point, either last year or two years ago. I think this actually has a little bit more to do with um, the Alphonse Taylor would be in the starting lineup this year if it weren't for his getting in trouble and being in the doghouse as he is right now. I think this has more to say about his standing with the team right now than any. He he would have been at center, or I'm sorry, he would have been at a guard position and then one of the others wouldn't be in this list. I think this just kind of has to do more with the fact that he's probably not going to be playing much this year. Right. If at all. Right. If at all. I I don't know. I, I We'll have to wait and see on Saturday. I'm just a little concerned by the center position this year, if I'm being honest. I, well, if losing Ryan Kelly, he was uh, arguably the most I mean, important remember, player on our offense I mean, you remember the year. one quarter he was injured during the Texas A&M game last year. Texas A&M's defensive line was in our backfield pretty much every single every, down every play and they were they did that a lot uh yeah when he wasn't in that was but Ryan Ryan Kelly just stats wise for the last two seasons surpassed the level of play that that um that that Barrett Jones had at Alabama that's how good he was right he is going to be the starting center for I can't remember who drafted him this year but 
he's he he he's going to be sorely missed. So, you know, there's a good reason to be concerned about center, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll be fine there. Though it definitely won't be what it was with Kelly. It will not be what it was with Kelly. I'm just hoping it takes a couple snaps so they can get their feet under them, and then it's it's go time. You know, I'm I'm hoping this isn't something where we are, you know, going into next week saying, okay, well now Pierce Bacher is actually starting at center, not uh, not Brian Bozeman. So. I, I hope that it's just it's a quick transition. It doesn't take too long. I hope it's easy. Um, and, you know, they kind of get their feet under them quickly. But we'll just sort of have to wait and see on Saturday. Patrick, let's split these up a little bit. I'll take linebackers if you take defensive backs. Linebackers sure. left to right. We've got Anderson, Hamilton, Foster, and Williams. I wouldn't want to meet any of those guys coming through the A-gap. Uh, Rashawn Evans not starving. He will sub in. You and I have talked about Rashawn Evans. He's a huge talent. I think he would be an excellent linebacker and probably a starter on most uh, most every other SEC school. Um, yeah, he would be a star player, and that's just how deep this linebacking core is. The fact that he is a sub is astounding. Uh, Reuben Foster, Deion Hamilton, Ryan Anderson are huge, huge talents. Huge talents. Um that I think will all uh, play at least one season in the NFL. Um, and I think, way, I think Rashawn Elvin will as well. I think he will go late in the draft um, and sort of be one of those guys that we look up in a few years, sort of like Roman Harper or somebody, and it's like, holy crap, this guy is actually still in the league. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but Kirk Herbstreet named Tim Williams the most exciting player in the entire nation. I did see that. I did see that. That's pretty cool. I, I, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's saying a lot if he's putting him over Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. Who he Leonard loves. Fournette, um, uh, yeah, Watson. Um, the corners are, uh, we, we well, it looked to be very deep. It thinned out a little bit. Still a pretty deep core, um, but it thinned out a little bit as far as experience goes this fall um but anyway number one and number two are uh are marlon humphrey and macon fitzpatrick which we all kind of expected from what happened last year losing cyrus jones those two just kind of slide over the star position which would be um the third corner on a passing down actually also listed fitzpatrick as the starter so you kind of have to look at who's behind them on both of those it looks like the two guys that are going to be getting playing time in that and one of those guys has to be in during the star formations would be uh would be Shaheen Carter, the true freshman, and Anthony Averett. Uh, I think he's a junior. Um, yeah. Behind them are a lot of other freshmen because remember we lost Maurice Smith, we lost Kendall Sheffield. Did, uh, still very deep. Does the lack of experience concern you as far as the defense backs are concerned this year? A little bit, a little bit. Because then you look at safeties the, and you've got the starters are fine. The starters showed that they can ball last year, but we've seen um, the struggles that have come out when we've had uh when we've had a devoid of um experience in the corner position now i'm not saying it'll be bad i'm not saying it'll be good but last year we were all kind of surprised by fitzpatrick and humphrey both not having played any college games coming on so strong right you can't expect that from every corner that comes through our system because everybody might some people are going to be D. Milliner. Some people are going to be Drake Kirkpatrick. And you, you know what I mean? You look at the safeties, and you've got Ronnie Harrison starting over uh, uh, Thompson. What's his Deontay, Deontay, Deontay Thompson. Thompson. Um, two very young guys. That's a sophomore starting over a freshman, for those of you that don't know. So it's not like there's a whole heck of a lot there as far as yeah. uh, as far as experience is concerned. I didn't, even, I didn't even put strong safety because we know that that's Eddie Jackson's spot. And he'll, you know, right. he'll kind of be the uh, – 
they'll kind of be the the center fielder out there. So that kind of helps. So it's like when Mark Barron was able to help our young corners, and that's when they were all pretty good. Let me ask you something. Um, Who do you think is the captain of the defense this year? Uh. I think we talked about this recently. I don't know who's vocal out there. I'd like to say it's Foster just because of that's the way it's kind of worked in the past, but I kind of actually maybe lean toward Eddie Jackson. I do too, but you know how much I love Eddie Jackson, so yeah. I may be a little biased there. Um, Patrick, as far as defensive line is concerned, who are you excited to see? Oh, defensive line? I didn't even put defensive line on here because that was there were no surprises there. I am excited to see... He's not starting, but I want to see what Deshaun Hand can do this year. Remember, he was a top five overall recruit like two years ago. He's right. very talented, and he's been sitting behind Jerron Reed. He's been sitting behind uh, Allen. He's been sitting behind all these guys. So um, he should be playing a lot more often this season, and he's a guy to definitely look out for, Deshaun Hand. I, I still want to see the progression of Jonathan Allen. I think he's such a huge talent. I, you and I were shocked when he announced he was coming back for his senior season. Oh, huge. Um, season season def- defining decision. The defensive line has made a pact. I don't know if you've heard this, uh, that they are trying to lose, all of them are trying to lose 10 pounds before the season started. This was made um, sometime shortly after the new year kicked off um, and after the national championship game but they all agree that they're going to try and lose 10 pounds, which sort of shows the evolution of the defensive line. I mean, you go back to the years where there was Terrence Cody and all those guys that were just absolute monsters. Yeah, Marcel Darius. Even, and, and, exactly. And, even guys. Even who, the linebackers were big, like Courtney Upshaw. That's exactly. Compared him to, to Deon, Sean Evans. Exactly. Exactly. Dante Hightower, Courtney Upshaw, those guys were huge. They were absolutely massive. Um, you know, and I... I I don't know. I'm excited to see that defensive line because every single year my dad and I sort of go through this thing of like, oh, man, we're not going to see a defensive line like that one again. And then sure enough, you know, a year or two later, we see that exact sort of thing and we may even see better every single year. Um, I, I Last year's is going to be hard to top because this is last year was the first time Saban's ever had a number one rated pass rushing defense. That used to be a knock against our defense. Be like they're so good, but they can't ever get to the quarterback. So Jonathan Allen and Tim Williams have a friendly bet this season to see who can get the most sacks. They've both set the goal at twenty eight. Do you know the significance of that number? That's Derek Thomas, right? Derek Thomas had twenty seven. Mm. That sent chills up my spine when I heard that today. You know what? I yeah. I, I think if I think if a player got twenty eight sacks in a season, that might be the next defensive Heisman we would. Now see. you you and I know that's not going to happen because Derek Thomas's record is untouchable. But just the fact that guys are sort of striving towards that is impressive. Technically, in his record doesn't exist because technically they didn't keep sacks as a stat back then. But I see what you're saying. You're really going to go there right now. No, I'm not going to go. That's there. I'm what just I thought. To sound that's smart. what I thought. Move on to our our return team. Ridley, uh, Trayvon Diggs, a little bit of a surprise. Um, the hey, he's a shifty little freshman. The I freshman, think he'll, I think he'll six two one ninety five, coming from Rockville, Maryland. Uh, the guy was a four, wasn't he? A four star athlete coming out of high school. Yeah, and his brother Stefan is uh, one of the top two receivers on the Minnesota Vikings. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, interested to see him, um, but I'm also more interested to see that Calvin Ridley returns punts and remains healthy because if he gets hurt returning a punt i may lose my mind i think this is one of those they're gonna let ridley do it and they're gonna let Diggs do it sometimes i think uh 
they're going to kind of roll digs. And Stewart's returning kickoffs with digs. It goes Ridley, digs, punt return, kick return, Stewart, digs. I think digs will kind of be our next long-time return man. Cyrus Jones, Marquise Mays kind of the kind of guy coming up here. Javier Arenas. Javier Arenas. All right, let's get into the USC game, Patrick. We're close, man. We're so close. You and I have been waiting so, so long. What is it, five, four days away? Four days, well, yeah. Ish. How are you watching the game? Uh, I will not be. I will be at work. <laughs> well, you'll be trying to watch it in some fashion, if not on your phone. Like, how, how are you going to be receiving live game updates? I'm, I'm hoping to get an intern to tell me scores. Uh, but I, I will be directing a game. So there is there is not going to be time for me to look at my phone. Um, I will be have to be glued uh, to my own sort of streaming efforts. But I'm hoping hey, if that you need, I if you get... need my watch ESPN account, I'd happily give it to you. You know, I really, I really don't think you understand. I will need, I will be needing to watch every single play of the game on Saturday because I will be directing. No, I see what you're saying. And plus, you're very, you're very new. This is your first game you'll be directing, possibly. Yes, it is. It is. I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. Go Panthers! But. Let's talk about the matchups a little bit. Do you want to take our offense versus their defense? Because I want to take, uh, you know what? I want actually. I want to take that. I want to talk about their defense a little bit, if you don't mind. We can both talk about these things. Yeah. I feel like they're. I don't know. If I'm USC, if I'm putting myself in their shoes, cleats, we should say, I'm a little frustrated because we hear all about Alabama's defense, Alabama's defense, Alabama's defense. Uh, Southern California is returning seven. Is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six starters. Excuse me, six starters. One of them is an all-conference player. That's Adoree Jackson Jr., John Plattenberg Jr., Chris Hawkins Jr. All those guys are, are, are excuse me, they're juniors. Um, all those guys are returning, and all those guys have a ton of experience. Their defensive backfield is stacked. I'm a little concerned with Alabama's sort of A, okay, uh, we're switching our center not even a week before the game, uh, less than a week before the game. And we're starting two quarterbacks who everyone during the fall practices has been saying, eh, they've been okay. I'm a little concerned, and if I'm USC's defense, I'm coming in with a huge chip on my shoulder because I'm tired of hearing about how great Alabama is. Not only that, and yeah, you mentioned that we have two young quarterbacks with basically no experience throwing against one of the top three corners in the nation, but you've also got two running backs with no meaningful snaps. Not a single one of those two guys took a meaningful snap that last year. Right. So this is this is uncharted territory where our receivers are the most uh, experienced people on the field. That doesn't happen. You, we very rarely, if, if we're bringing a new quarterback, we've got a Derrick Henry or a Trent Richardson helping bring him in. If we're bringing in a new running back, we've got an A.J. McCarron helping bring them in. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uncharted territory. And yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I'm a little nervous about that, about all that inexperience versus all their, uh, you know, their star power over there. But let me ask you, who fares worse, our offense versus theirs, or their offense against our defense? Yes, on a different side of the same coin, they're bringing in a new starting quarterback. Their running backs are experienced, and Ronald Jones is very good. But I'm not... If we can shut down at Leonard Fournette last year the way we did with basically the same defense, I'm not going to be afraid of a single running back this season. Um, they're starting Max Brown, which is the same kind of situation we had last year with Coker. He's a redshirt senior. He's been in a system for a long time, and nobody knows what they're going to get with him. I think 
I, I would still rather take the matchup of our defense versus their offense because we know that our defense is so disruptive right. to any offense. To and, and I think that we'll be on a neutral site in a game one in an atmosphere like this. I think we will we'll be able to make Max Brown's eyes very, very wide. And that's their only guy. They're not falling back on anyone else. And that's, I mean, just listen to the front seven we read, you know, ten minutes ago for Alabama. And then it's not even technically just the front seven because you go back through and you look at the depth. Not as much depth on the defensive line this year, but a ton of depth at linebacker. Uh, and a USC, a brand new USC quarterback running a spread offense against a defense where, yeah, sometimes we throw guys that we throw three hands down and blitz you and we'll, we'll rush the A gap and we'll bring over a safety to help in coverage or there's a all of a sudden there's a linebacker that you've been seeing all game 10 yards away from you now he's playing with a hand down on the edge i i think it's going to be a little complicated and a little overwhelming uh for usc a very young usc group i don't think i don't think uh this is going to be the kind of game we're going to be getting into uh score predictions in a minute so we'll, we'll talk actually i'll talk about we want keys to victory for both sides. Do you want to talk about what Alabama should do or what USC wants to take, do? I'll take, the I'll, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take Alabama. I think Alabama, to win this game, has to take care of the football. Limit the mistakes. Don't give USC an opportunity. Look, you're Alabama. If you walk in there and you play, I don't even think Alabama really has to play their A game to beat USC. I think you could play your B, B-plus game like they did against Wisconsin last year and be just fine. But what you absolutely cannot do is turn the ball over and give that USC offense a little bit of a boost, an extra snap, an extra three snaps. You just this this has to be the game where Alabama says, okay, even if we go three and out our first three series, which both you and I know A will not happen and B is colossally bad if it does happen, but it's better than turning over the football. That cannot happen in this game. Whoever leads the turnover margin will win this game. That's that's the point I was gonna make. Is there there? I don't I don't know that USC really needs a game plan to try to out offense us. I think they need to. Whichever offense is disrupted more, it's going to set up the other team's defense in worse situations. You know what I mean? Right. So if if they're if they can force us into mistakes with our quarterbacks and then just kind of hope for sound, maybe not humongous play from their offense. If they can force us into mistakes. They might be the ones getting the ball at their own forty. They might be the ones, you know, right. uh, you know, ending our drives early or preventing us from scoring deep into the. You know, they need to be able to force our guys, whoever's on the field. You know, both of our guys are younger than their redshirt senior. It's it is it's going to come down to turnovers. They need to find a way to make us play their game. Right. No, I I agree, and, and I I think you know. I think tempo is another big thing in this game. Anytime you get a Pac-12 team versus an SEC team, tempo is huge. Um, and like you said, who's playing what game I think is very, very important. But I, I'm just uh, – I, I don't know. I, I think, to, like I said, I think tempo is really important. If Alabama sits back and plays the ground and pound game that I, I know and love, that I know is sort of fading and dwindling into the darkness, but I love the ground and pound, I think – if you give the ball to Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough enough times, you will break that defense. You will. Because yeah, the guys that we talked about on their defense that are on. so impressive are all defensive backs. One thing USC will have been doing a lot of over the last, basically, year 
is watching tape from the Ole Miss game. Yes. Ole Miss laid down a perfect way to to possibly uh, to possibly beat us. You know, it's 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 take advantage. You know, hope for big plays against a defense that thinks they're a little bit bigger than the britches, which is what you uh, Ole Miss did to us last year, um, and uh, force our quarterbacks in, into mistakes. Or you know, we fumbled the opening kickoff. Things like that. Right. Things like that. Right. If we open fumble the opening kickoff two years in a row against USC or Ole Miss. How does that? All right, Brick, um, it's that time of year again, and therefore yep. we need to go through another round of score predictions. My friend, I'm giving this to you first. Perfect. What is your answer? I think it's a close game. I think this is a game, a game that is interesting to people watching all the way to the fourth quarter. Um, I don't think it's going to be an exciting game from a scoring standpoint, um, but... I'm giving this a 28-21 kind of vibe. Alabama wins this one 28-21. Close, one score, interesting game in the fourth quarter. I'm going Alabama 34-24. I'm going a little bit opposite of you. I think we get to the fourth quarter that USC defense starts wearing down a little bit. Alabama's defense gets a little bit more confidence. Maybe they shake out the pregame jitters. Uh, You know, if USC gets on the board early, maybe they go up 14-3. 14 7, something like that. I see Alabama clawing their way back into it and sort of taking over. I feel like the score, I'm going 34 24, and I feel like it's going to look a lot closer than it actually was. Um, I feel like it's going to hit the fourth quarter. Alabama's going to sort of take off, maybe score two quick touchdowns, and then USC can't respond, and that's the end of the ballgame. Should I ask Lane what she thinks her score prediction is? Go for it. Hey, Lane, what's your score prediction for the Alabama game? She's thinking. Just give us give, give us a score, you know. The anticipation is killing me. Twenty four. That's not a bad. Twenty four fourteen. She's got got the same margin of victory. I, as I like it. I like it. She might end up being the closest. She there. might. She might. We we need to keep record of that. So Lane said twenty four fourteen. Right. You mean every week thing? I like it. All right. I like it. All right. Auburn names Sean White the starting quarterback. You and I have talked about how much we can't stand John Franklin III. <laughs> who cares who Auburn's quarterback is? Let's move on to Georgia. Georgia names Jacob Eason the freshman starting quarterback. Patrick Kirby Smart's first season. He's starting a freshman. Good move? Bad move? What do you think? That's a good move. They got a blue chipper, and, and, and Jake – and not, not Jake. Uh, Lambert just – Grayson Lambert wasn't wasn't going to get them off on the right foot wasn't anyway. Doing. I don't – I'm not buying a lot of Georgia this season, and um, – and, I think Kirby Smart's got a super, super long leash. I think he's giving the fans what they want. You didn't even give me a chance to at least a little bit make fun of John Franklin III. Why would Why would we even talk about them? Remember that last shot of him in Last Chance U when it was kind of summing up where the players are going next year, what's going on with them, so-and-so's going to UAB. And then it shows John Franklin III, one of the last players they showed, and it's zooming in slowly on his face. He's looking at the camera all confidently because he got his offer. John Franklin, John Franklin III is going to Auburn University in the fall. Pauses for a second. He expects to be the starting quarterback. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like if they would have, I, I feel like he will be the starter by the end of the season. I think Auburn made a good decision, though. I think I think starting White and having packages for Franklin was that's what I thought they should have done. So sure, good. I agree with something. Woohoo! 
I, I'm sorry. I, I just I'm I, I'm over Auburn. I'm I'm over it. I, I just I can't I can't even wrap my head around how their season's going to be this year. Um, I don't think it's going to be a good one, but you never know. Kirk Herbstreit predicts them to be the surprise dark times. horse from the West, which makes me want to scream. But then again, uh, it, it's a weird year because Tennessee is also predicted to win the East, and I did that as well. So. And it's been three years since Auburn's good, and we know what happens there. Anything can happen, Patrick. Let's move on. We're going to our week one pick em. Do some hot takes. Hot takes. There's a lot of week one games. We had to have this segment in. It, it would be a travesty to college football to not do something like this. A travesty. I think it would be a travesty to pass interference more than it would college football. Um, but I agree with you. Uh we're gonna go. Okay, so we're gonna go through and do these. I'll, I'll let you kick it off. Oklahoma versus Houston. Who you got and why? I'm going Oklahoma because I believe in the talent level they have there, and they're usually start off the season quite good, quite good, quite well, quite strong. Boy, that was rough to get through. I'm picking Oklahoma. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm picking Oklahoma as well. I feel like Oklahoma. Uh, it kind of wants to build off of what they had last season. I think Baker Mayfield's gonna try and do a lot. He's going to try and sort of boost his Heisman persona during this first game. I don't uh, expect this game to be close, and I expect Oklahoma to really have the pedal to the metal all the way to the very end, maybe even running up the score a little bit. A little bit, Patrick. Uh, moving on, Auburn versus Clemson. Do we even need to talk about this game? Are you nope, actually Clemson. going to make me? All the... no. Yes, exactly. We both think Clemson. Exactly. Clemson by 100. And five. Will you watch? No, you won't. You'll be at work. I'll watch that game though, just to see how they look. I'll probably watch the first half. Uh, all right, let's move on. Georgia versus North Carolina. I think this is one of the more interesting matchups, uh, week one, Patrick. Interesting in the fact that I think it's going to be one of the closest games. Nick Chubb cleared full, full on. There's no limitations on his carries. That's a big fact in this game. Regardless, that's my upset pick. I'm going with uh, I'm going with UNC in this one, and that's good for you because that's where you live now. All uh, right, yeah. Yeah, I, I can imagine that their fans would be pretty excited, as they should be. I don't know if you just heard, but our cat just knocked a fork off the table. So This podcast is a very small If you operation. want to, you can rewind the podcast and listen for a ping. That was Kittle. That is that is Kittle. All right, let's move on. LSU versus Wisconsin. Speaking of kittens, I'm going to take LSU. At Lambeau Field, I, I think that's a really cool venue, too. I, I really hope I get to see part gonna of that awesome. game. It's going to be awesome. Because that's The cool, cool thing is, is the court – oh, I, I missed it. Samantha Ponder tweeted it recently. The quarterback that's starting for Wisconsin is like the cousin or grandson of Bart Starr getting to play his first career wow. game at Lambeau. That's cool regardless. LSU might win this game by more than Clemson wins their game against Ooh. Auburn. I do not even remotely buy Wisconsin in this kind of game. All right. We skipped UCLA, Texas A&M. We did. I apologize. I'm taking Texas A&M. I think Trevor Knight's going to come out and have a big game. Uh, I think Miles Garrett's going to come out and have a big game. I don't really believe the hype surrounding UCLA this season. Um, sorry for all of our Bruins fans that listen. But right now, I think I, I've got Tam U in a close one. In a close one. Josh Rosen was a fast-starting quarterback last year, but no team has been a faster-starting team in the last three years than Texas A&M. Week six, they're always your national champions. I'm picking Texas A&M. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go uh, my upset for this weekend. I'm going Texas over Notre Dame. Notre Dame's coming in with a lot of hype, Patrick. They're talking about, oh, well, we've got two great quarterbacks. Well, as we've seen from a lot of college football teams before, even Alabama, if you have two quarterbacks, do you really have any at all? Uh, and I, I think that Notre Dame's coming in with sort of some big-headedness, thinking that they're just going to waltz in and win. 
I think Texas might sneak up and get them. I'm taking Texas in this one. I'm, I'm with you, except I'm not going to go all the way to say they're going to win. I think this game's going to be closer than people think. I think it's going to be a, a one-score game. I'm not quite ready to give Texas the win uh, because they're starting a true freshman, and Notre Dame still has a very good defense. I'm going Notre Dame by, like, four. I'm going to go Texas by one. Game-winning field goal with three seconds left. Oh, that's very bold. FSU and Ole Miss. I've got Florida State. I can imagine you've got Florida State. I imagine that uh, 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 Dalvin Cook's just going to rip this Ole Miss defense a new one. Dalvin Cook's fully healthy, which he has not been since about week eight last year. I'm picking I'm picking FSU. Um, 10, 14 points. Uh, I, I'll take him by seven. I'll take him by seven, but it's not that close. It's not that close. I, I, I think that uh, I think Ole Miss scores late to make it look that close. That works. That works. Well, there you have it. I'm going uh, – my upset pick is going to be North Carolina over Georgia. You're going Texas over Notre Dame. I think we got a pretty solid list there. I think we did uh, good. We're both taking Texas A&M, which I think would be maybe the next closest. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. All right, Patrick. Uh, this time last year, we were we were just starting up the podcast. We made some bold predictions. Uh, mine was that Alabama would make it to the college football playoff. They did. Uh, you, I don't know if it was your bold prediction. You predicted at some point that Clemson would be in the college football playoff, and I laughed at you. I did, and I apologize. I did. For that. I put them in. I put them in preseason. Now let's sort of take a step back, pick four new teams for this season to rip our hearts out when they don't actually make it. <laughs> let's pick our four playoff teams. Let's make some bold predictions, and let's get out of here. Um, this part for me, this segment, I feel all this pressure because I was so right about Clemson last year, and I got all cocky throughout the year as they kept going number one, number one, number one. You did. And I'd always have a little, uh, I always have a little something to say about it. But um, here we go. I'm locking them in. I've been teeter tottering on it. I'm going. Alabama, FSU, Ohio State, and Stanford. Those are my four. Yeah. I, I... I Because ha- the way you do it, you kind of have to leave out a Power 5 conference. You have to. Plus, I wanted to put Oklahoma in, but they play Ohio State. And I, I am just... I don't know why, but I have a feeling that Ohio State is going to surprise a lot of people because everybody's kind of disrespecting them and, and, and just kind of throwing Michigan. Not that there's anything wrong with putting Michigan in there. Um, I just I just am really buying Ohio State this year. But, so by that, they cancel out Oklahoma by default. I like what t- TCU has, but not enough to put them in the playoff. So I gotta go. I'm gonna go Pac-12. I'm gonna go Stanford with one loss gets in. This is tough for me. I think this is. I think we're in for a really weird year of college football because while we can sit here and say, "Oh, well, the clear one and two are Clemson and Alabama," I'm not sure that it's really as clear cut as people think. And I think there's even less separate separation between numbers five through twenty, um, like I haven't ever seen before in college football. Um, so I think that's why this is tough this year. I've got pretty much exactly what you've got, but I've got one game being the deciding factor and why I'm putting in a team that honestly I hope doesn't make it. But if I'm being honest with myself, I think they will. 
I'm going Bama, Florida State, Stanford, Michigan. Michigan over Ohio State, Michigan into the college football playoff. I think a one-loss Michigan, a one-loss Stanford, a undefeated either Bama or Florida State, or both undefeated, make it into the college football playoff. And I think we've got a whale of a college football playoff this year. Um, no matter who makes it, I'm not sure that either of us will get any of our teams correct. <laughs> I have no idea. But that's I what's was, fun. I was two for four last year, and I was proud of it. <laughs> I think, was I two for four? I think FSU no, I think has to be, FSU, the only game on FSU schedule they can lose this season and still be in the playoff, in my opinion, is Ole Miss. I think they could still lose to Ole Miss, but if they win the rest and beat Clemson, I think that'll be enough to get them in. Neither, but they cannot neither lose you, any other game. Neither neither of us picked Clemson. No. Interesting. Neither of us picked Clemson. Neither of us put in um, Oklahoma, who's been a who's been a, a very trendy pick to put in there. Um, a lot of people put in Texas Tech all of a sudden, and I went back and looked at them. They return a lot except Travon Boykin, but I'm not. You I mean, just you mean TCU, not Texas Tech? Yeah, sorry, TCU. Okay. Um, I just can't just just can't put in a team for that. I'm not putting that conference in this year. I'm not either. Um, all right, you had a sound off that you specifically wanted to do yesterday, and I know that you want it, and I because I've already forgotten the one that I had in my mind for today, so I'm going to let you do that while I think. I Okay, so actually today I had a conversation with some people who didn't change my opinion, but make me feel bad about doing this sound off now, because they were genuinely good people, but there is a sort of pretentiousness that goes on with people who watch English soccer or just any European soccer where they look down their nose at other sports, other American. Oh, you, you, you know, well, Saturdays we've got to get up at seven and watch Everton play Liverpool because it's the middle of August. And that game matters when you play how many ungodly games of that boring 90 minutes, just spit factory. That is the English premier league. And honestly, I Patrick, the, the, the real tragedy of it all is I enjoy watching it. If it's on and nothing else is on, I will watch it because I think it's entertaining. I think their fans are as diehard as college football fans, who I think are the greatest fans in the country. But it's it's this Americanized, just, you know the type, the hipster, like 20 to 40 range white guy that just thinks that you're just this uncultured cretin because you don't know about the latest transfer from Everton to Swansea. I don't care. I honestly could care less. I like watching it. I think it's a fun sport to watch if it's a good game. But I'd much rather watch any sort of American sport before that. This is an absolute last thing for me to watch. Unless it's like the playoff. or And that's another thing. They don't even have playoffs. Season's over. You had the most points. You win. Here's the trophy. Where's the drama? Where is the drama? But my main... It's not even the Premier League. My main concern... And my main, the reason we're having this sound off is because there's such this pretentiousness. And now you've got the, the fans that watch the MLS, too, and try and treat that like an NFL Sunday. No. <laughs> no, you're not yeah, even close. You're... you're not even close. Now, MLS games are fun. I've been to two. They're a ton of fun. Don't get me wrong. But it's nowhere near as important as most of the other sports in America. It's not even as prolific as watching D-League basketball. With the amount of talent that's out there in the rest of the world and watching MLS. Right. It's not even watching D-League. It's like watching a double-A baseball. Right. So I, I think 
And I'm sorry, like I said, I had conversations with Premier League fans today around a lunch table that were very, you know, very open and honest about why they watched the sport, why they fell in love with it, and why they think it is better than some of the American sports out there. And they had. So on your first day of work, you brought up that? I did not bring it up. It was brought up, and I said, and I brought up my conversation with you about it last night. Well, that's weird that it was brought up on your... That's kind of cool. Yeah, so I was like, okay, well, here we go. Now that we're getting into this, my buddy and I kind of have something about this. I want to get y'all's opinion. So, I and I did. And it, like I said, the conversation went great. It made me feel bad that I'm doing the sound off tonight, but they're not the guys that this is geared towards. I've had friends that will dismiss... It, for some reason, there's like this... Rivalry. It's weird between sports, between baseball and soccer. It's so strange that those two... But I I know so many people that will just... Because they love soccer, and that's the sport they were good at growing up, that will just absolutely dismiss baseball as as anything. Just because they like soccer. And they they understand the importance of soccer. It's... Yeah. No. I was... I'm I'm with you about... the certain fans have the smugness about them. My sound off now that I've remembered it, <laughs> and I know a lot of people my age, your age, and about five years older than us will be able to relate. Sports video games. Remember the days, elementary school, middle school, popping an NCAA 2005, having this really fun and immersive like dynasty mode to go through, you had all these cool mini games where you'd run the 40, you know, you're you're a coach and you get hired by the bigger school, all this cool stuff. We, we don't even have an NCAA game anymore. No. You know? Which is a tragedy. Madden was awesome. Like, you'd have a superstar mode. You'd take a test to, to that would, like, help determine your draft position. You'd do drills. You'd also run the 40. You'd do, like, cone drills with a quarterback. Just fun, really cool stuff to do. The gameplay was awesome. The um the dynasty mode you the, got to recruit. Yeah, well, yeah, you would recruit. You got you could recruit back on the the newest NCAA's. I still think the newest NCAA's weren't terrible. I'm going now on specifically toward Madden. I love Madden and I love NBA 2K because I have to because I'm forced to because I love sports video games and that's all I've got because that's our option because that's our option. But the fact these EA Sports and 2K games, but EA Sports even more specifically, they will um, they will spend sorry, the cat's getting into stuff. They will they will spend most of their time working on like the ultimate team games. Yeah. The the, the modes that people have to go pay extra money after they've spent $60 on the game. You know what I mean? Right. You get the card and people will just drop 100 bucks right when they get the game just to get enough points to get a good team right off the ground. And and I swear, for five straight years, they haven't done anything to that dynasty mode. Very minor touch-ups. I just miss the days of of coming home, popping in 2005 with Larry Fitzgerald on the Panthers, Pitt Panthers on the cover. Yep. And just uh, and and and, and FIFA's the same way. It's like these these modes just get minor touch-ups and roster updates. Um. I don't even know if you've seen the video since Madden came out. Broken games, basically. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't There was this one of Aaron Rodgers where the game basically glitched where he couldn't get tackled on a play, and he broke, like, 12 yeah, tackles. I have seen that. It's it was hilarious. But, like, 
awful stuff and just you play the game for a week you get bored because there's nothing imaginative about it week I, to I week. told you oh, I told you this last constantly, night constantly I went constantly on the loading screens you're getting oh go check out Madden Ultimate Team I, I went last night to Redbox to get Madden and I told you you said well why don't you just buy it and I said because I'm going to get tired of it in two days and guess what I'm taking it back tomorrow <laughs> I'm going to buy 2k this year I'm, not, I'm actually not getting Madden this year I figured I can't keep buying it every year and then complain. I, I rarely Madden's ever the one play I have it. my most problems. I was just bored I'm, yesterday, and I was like, well, it's there. I'm going to go try it. Yeah. 2K I'm, I'm going to get. Uh, and then I actually think the best game out there is the, the, the MLB baseball game, the show. Yeah, that, it's hard to play a baseball game for that long because it's baseball. It's not football. You know what I mean? Right. That's my grief. It's just – it's just – I <laughs> to sum this all back up. Please bring back the NCAA football please. games. I don't. That'll be that. I'm gonna do a part two of this next week when we do our next sound off. A part two will be just be me pleading them to bring it back. There's no reason for it not to exist now. Everything's out of the way. Hey, Patrick. <sighs> we've got five days till Alabama football comes back. We got five to four days from where you're sitting. No, we're both Central Time, aren't we? No, no, I'm Eastern, Eastern Time. But I, Eastern. but I mean, it's Tuesday. You've got all of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday. It's five days away. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Five days. Five days away, people. That's You just got to wait five days. Thank you so much for listening. Patrick, it's actually – I looked back at my calendar. I was right. It is the birthday of Pat's Interference. The exact birthday? The exact birthday. Now, not when you and I started concepting and sort of like going through like, oh, well, how's it going to be? No, just episode one, Our right? first episode. It is huh. the birthday. So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to Pat's Interference. We could not do this without you. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. We've always wanted to do this. You can find us on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. Patrick, where can they go on Twitter? P-I underscore podcast. P-I underscore podcast. You can go to patsinterference.com or on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, your mom's vinyl records pretty much anything you could ever <laughs> listen to we're there close you're we're close. there you're close. we're there pocket pocket casts as well as uh stitcher stitcher, stitcher. Yeah. so you can listen to us pretty much anywhere we're we're everywhere um but itunes and don't SoundCloud, forget and the website's the best way to listen. starting next week two per week we'd love for you to listen to both but if you're only interested in one listen to at least one Sunday, Monday, you'll get the Alabama one. Wednesday, Thursday, you'll get the uh, the rest of the world. That'll do it for us. Everybody stay safe over the next five days. Enjoy your Saturday responsibly. I will be at work. Roll Tide, everybody. Good luck to the boys on Saturday. We'll talk to you next week.